0: So according to the research of a guy named Rolf Smith, children ask on average 125 probing questions per day. Now that number is a little bit skewed because four-year-old girls ask typically 390 questions per day. And so if they're awake, uh, you know, 14 hours, a girl is going to ask one question every two minutes. And parents of four-year-old girls said, yes and amen, you all are saints. Uh, Especially if you're raising more than one girl, you know, it's like, what? Uh, But this is interesting because uh, research has also found that stay-at-home moms are asked more questions in a day than doctors Or teachers. Let that sink in. Like, who's going to be asked a lot of questions? Doctors and teachers. But stay-at-home moms are asked more questions. Kids don't just ask questions of their parents. They also ask questions of God. A church did a little survey, and and I recorded some of these for you, of real questions that kids have asked God. One kid asked, uh, did you mean for the giraffe to look like that, or was it some kind of accident? (laughs) That's a good question. One little girl qu- queried God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I actually prayed for was a puppy. Where was the mix up? <laughs> You know, like, yes. Another little boy, probably the brother of that girl, asked, Jesus, if you didn't need a sister, why did I need one? (laughs) Like, we've all asked that question, you know, like, what is the point of this? Now, here's why I bring all of this up. Uh, Because adults, on the other hand, we ask only six questions per day. Which means somewhere between childhood and adulthood, you lose 119 questions every single day. In other words, at some point, most of us stop asking questions, and we start making assumptions. This is a big deal, because if you want to experience the miraculous, you need to quit making assumptions told you last week that miracles are happening all around us all of the time, and you just simply won't know how to see them if you don't know how to look for them. Perhaps the reason you're not seeing them is because you're making assumptions about how they're supposed to happen, or if they're happening at all, and you won't uh, recognize what you presume is not happening, and you won't ask for what you presume can't happen. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. And in regards to questions and little children, Jesus said in Matthew 18.13 that unless you become like little children, you will not see the kingdom of God. I wonder if God doesn't want us to become like little kids because little kids aren't afraid to ask for miracles. Kids believe anything is possible. Children trust their parents implicitly if you're a parent, you can know this can be somewhat overwhelming. If you're a parent, you know how frustrating it can be hearing 125 questions every single day. And admittedly, you just sometimes have to lie to those kids because it's not time to answer their questions truthfully. Like they come to you and say, what were you doing in there? Taking a nap? Why was the door locked? Because my job is to protect your mom at all costs. And there are bad people in this world." Or kids who try and break it. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, you sometimes you've got to lie because it's not ready. they're not ready to hear the real answer. So I get that sometimes, you know, as a, a parent, it can be exasperating. But as I was getting ready for this message, it occurred to me that I should be honored and proud that my kids are asking some outrageous things. Asking me for some miracles. Dad, can we drive the Batmobile? I wish we could, you know. Can we go to Disneyland in 15 years when we can afford it? You know, can I fly one day like Superman? Maybe. I don't know. You figure that out yourself, I guess. But uh, it's often easy to dismiss those questions, whereas it should be humbling because my kids believe I can make those things happen. Like, they have so much faith in me as their dad, and the same is true for Laura. They have so much faith in their mom and us as parents, that they just believe and assume that we can turn these miracle requests into reality. And yet, here we are, many of us, professing Christians whose theology hinges on God being our dad, and we won't ask Him or believe in Him for little things. Nevertheless, miraculous things, and it's with that in mind that we started a series of messages last week to help aid us in this endeavor of seeing and experiencing miracles, because I believe Jesus wants to do now what he did then. And this morning, we're going to turn to another miracle of Jesus, Uh, It's recorded for us in John chapter 5. So if you brought a Bible, I hope you did. Go ahead and grab it and meet me in John chapter 5. If you didn't bring a Bible, you should have received some message notes on your way in. You can follow along there or here on screen as well. But this miracle is particularly timely because there's a man who, like us, has made some assumptions about what is and what isn't possible. The Bible calls him an invalid Because he's been crippled for 38 years. He's been unable to take care of himself longer than some of you have been alive. This is really interesting when you consider at this point in history, the average life expectancy is under 35 years. And so this man has been crippled longer than many people will be alive. And there's a myth floating about Jerusalem that in the city there's a pool where angels visit. And when you see the water begin to ripple, it's a race to see who can get to the pool first because whoever gets there first will be healed. To our modern minds, that sounds ridiculous. Because we know angels don't visit pools. And if angels were visiting pools, they shouldn't be healing people. They should be keeping the kids from peeing in the pool. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's talk about... A miracle, keep those kids from doing something like that. But we know because we're so advanced that the bubbles people were seeing was just an underwater spring filling the pool. And the air in the spring was causing bubbles in the pool. It's easy for us to ask how could anybody be so foolish? Believe in angels. Except we haven't been immobile for longer than we've been mobile. We haven't been an invalid. For 38 years, many of us don't know what it's like to be invalid to the world around us. Yet if you've been sick for any time at all, it's a little easier for you to understand because you know you'll try just about anything to be healed, especially if the sickness is particularly debilitating. But watch what happens when Jesus shows up on the scene. Pick it up in verse 1. Jesus returned to Jerusalem. For one of the Jewish holy days inside the city near the Sheep Gate was the Pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Fun fact, archaeologists have actually uncovered this pool with its five pergolas. If you would go visit Jerusalem and stop in at St. Anne's Church, you could see the pool and porches for yourself. But... 3 crowd uh, verse 3 crowds of sick people blind lame or paralyzed lay on the porches one of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years when Jesus saw him and knew he'd been ill for a long time he asked him would you like to get well i can't sir the sick man said for i have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up someone else always gets there ahead of me jesus told him stand up pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. the law doesn't allow you to carry that sleeping mat. Like, what? That's the first thing you're going to say to somebody who hasn't walked in four decades? You're not allowed to to carry that mat. Just so you know, the Mishnah, the book of Jewish law and rules, not the Bible, mind you, a book that these Pharisees have concocted, it allowed for 39 prohibitions uh, that you were not allowed to do on the Sabbath. 39 things that you couldn't do, including walk while carrying something. And so if you're a man who hasn't walked in 38 years, the leaders would say, sir, I'm sorry, but we're going to need to ask you to put that mat down. Point being, when God changes your life, don't be surprised if you make some Pharisees mad and other lame people jealous. You know what I'm saying? But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. Like, what do you want me to do? Who said such a thing as that? As they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. What is that supposed to mean, Jesus? We'll come back to that, if you're wondering. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who healed him. Like he must have been just as offended by that statement of Jesus as we are. So he went and told on Jesus. It was that guy. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, my father is always working and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all the harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his father, thereby making himself equal with God. Don't ever let somebody tell you that Jesus was just some great moral teacher. Listen to me. You can't be great or moral if you claim to be God and aren't God. You're not moral. You're a liar at that point. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and hear from it. We just ask you to do now what only you can do. Some of us in this room are crippled in our own right invalid to the world around us, and we're asking for a miracle, and we're asking you to do what only you can do and change our heart, change our lives. Speak to us now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure many of you believe in different myths or superstitions. When I was a basketball player, I believed that if you shot bad in warm-up, you'd shoot good during the game. That was just an excuse to make yourself feel better when you shot bad in warm-up, but Uh, As a coach, if we were in a big game and getting to play, you know, a fairly good opponent, I would always wear a shirt or a tie of the other team's color in order to jinx them. It rarely worked. Uh, But this, you know, if you think that's weird, this is where it gets weirder. Because when I pump my own gas, I have to end on a multiple of five like 3590 or you know 2785 it has to be in a multiple of 5 and if i get on the bank statement and find that Laura has ended in like 01 or 07 it's infuriating like what sort of barbarian you know doesn't end on a multiple of 5 and this is even weirder because i can't set my alarm on a multiple of 5 Like it has to be 01 or 06. If I wake up at 5.30 instead of 5.36, it's going to be a horrible day. (laughs) Which don't judge me, because y'all have something that's weird in your life too. And it could be a black cat, or a rabbit's foot, or not walking under a ladder, but you have just as many weird things as I do. This man believed that angels would stir a pool... And if he could get in first, he would be healed. Throughout history, there's been a lot of legends about health and sickness and what you should do. And uh, maybe you've heard that if it's cold outside and if you go out with wet hair, you'll get sick. Uh, No evidence for that. Perhaps you've heard an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Again, no real evidence for that. Uh, Carrots. You know, carrots are going to help your eyesight. You know how many carrots you actually have to eat for that to happen? Like hundreds per day. Uh, you've heard that if you swallow gum, how long does it stay in your stomach? Seven years. Not true, but somebody told you that. And uh, they've also said that uh, when, when you uh, swim that you can't do it for at least an hour after you ate, right? Didn't your parents tell you that? They were just making it up because they didn't want to take you swimming for at least an hour. <laughs> they wanted to rest, you know? And it's kind of like how when uh, I take my kids to a hotel, I call it camping. That way when my kids are like, hey, can we go camping? We end up at a Marriott or something, right? Yes. Yes. Genius. I know you can use that if you need to. You got little kids. Thomas camping. It's amazing. Uh, but here in our story, we have a whole group of people, all of whom believe the same story: that if you can be the first one into the pool, you will be healed. And for most people, all they need when they're sick is a little bit of hope. Doesn't matter if the claims are true or not. Depends on your level of desperation. Now I'm under the assumption that this claim was true. I believe that some point along the line somebody was healed. Or day after day, groups, hundreds of lame, sick, blind people, they would not all come to the same place and kick and scream and fight and bite and crawl and long, desperate to be the first one in to the pool. Nonetheless, whether it's true or not, Jesus walks into this place where miracles are supposed to be happening and he singles one guy out. Do you want to be made well? Cripple says, sir, I have no man to help me in the pool. Like this brother is still thinking that Jesus is talking about getting into the water. That's not what Jesus is asking. This dude doesn't know with whom he is speaking. This is God in human form. Forget about an angel with a wooden spoon. You're talking to the top man. And this little exchange between Jesus and Wheelchair Joe is rather unique because it is one of the only times in Scripture where the miracle being performed has nothing to do with the man's faith. Think about it. He doesn't even know who Jesus is until after when he runs into him in the temple this is one of the few times where Jesus sought out the miracle, not the other way around. See, this miracle is all about Jesus' power in addition to the man's obedience. I hope you understand that Jesus makes the impossible possible regardless of faith, but always dependent upon obedience. The problem for most people in our world today is not faith, it's submission. We all make some pretty big assumptions about what God will do or won't do and what Jesus can do or can't do. And Well, of course, Jesus can. He's God. He can do whatever He wants, but we aren't willing to ask if He will. Or we assume that He's supposed to because He's God. And more often, out of His grace and His mercy, He'll show up and give you the choice like He did here. Do you want to be made well? Just in case you don't believe me, the same thing happened for a guy named Naaman. Naaman had leprosy, and it was an incurable disease eating away the flesh of his body. And he was commanded to go dip in the dirty, gross Jordan River seven times. No fewer, no more. And he was healed only on the seventh time. It wasn't about faith, it was about obedience, When the Lord's people, the people of Israel, were going to the promised land, the Jordan River, again, was between them and the land God had promised. God said, I'll split the water for you, but the leaders have to get into the water first. And then the sea, or the river, like the Red Sea, it will split. But it was dependent upon their obedience. Could have given you dozens of examples. Walls of Jericho, seven times, depends on your obedience. Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're not going to bow. Dependent on their obedience. Uh, Ananias depended on his obedience in order to go heal Saul, the sacrifice of Abraham. Do you really want to be healed? As strange as it may seem, there are people that don't want to be healed. They don't want help. They like the lifestyle they have chosen. They find a certain comfort there. There's a certain delight in The darkness. They feel a sense of security in this screwed up life that they've chosen. We think that everybody on the street doesn't want to be on the street. There are some that don't. There are some that do. Those that do have made the choice to stay there. They don't want to work. They're offered a job. They don't want a job. They're offered an opportunity to get off drugs and alcohol, go to rehab, paid for. They don't want to get off drugs or alcohol. They don't want the pressure. They don't want the responsibility. They've chosen their life, and they want it to stay the way it is. And listen to me, God will not change you if you don't want to be changed. That's why the Bible warns us in multiple places to not harden your heart if you hear God's voice. It was Oswald Chambers, known for his famous devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. He wrote these words, Sin enough, and you will soon be unconscious of sin. It's a dangerous place to be, where you've lived so long in such a way that you don't even recognize anymore what's right and what's wrong. That's why it's so frustrating for me to hear people say, well, those Christians, they're just judging me. Maybe, maybe they just care because sometimes someone else has to come along and say, do you want to be made Well, Do you really want to change? It's not always Jesus who asks that question. Sometimes, I would contend most of the time, Jesus sends a person on his behalf. But here's what I want you to write down. Here's my entire message in one sentence. If you want God to do a new thing, you can't keep doing the same old thing. If you want God to do a new thing in your life, you can't keep doing the same the same old thing. Do you know 90% of heart attack patients will go back to their same lifestyle within two years? Two years! It almost killed them, and they're like, "Mm, I'd rather have the steak. I'd rather have the salt. 80% of health issues are caused by too much eating, too much smoking, too much drinking, or too much stress. Any one of those things combined with not enough exercise. Every credible health expert in the world will tell you it doesn't matter how much, how much exercise you get, you can't burn enough calories to make up for a crappy diet. The problem for most people, though, in our world right now is they choose to eat for convenience instead of nutrition. What is the quickest thing I can get that requires the least amount of work? And how lazy can I be yet still eat something that tastes good? Enter the American fast food drive through Hopefully that didn't hit too close to home. My point is, it's the simple things that are the hardest to change. Simple to lose weight. Stop drinking pop. Don't eat processed foods, lay off the sugar, walk around the block once in a while. Certainly none of those things are easy, but they're absolutely simple. Simple to get out of debt. Stop buying stupid crap, right? Stop spending more than you make. You're out of debt, just like that. Do you really want to get well? Most people want a new thing, but they're not willing to give up the old things. Notice how Jesus gave this man a new opportunity. Walking by telling him to quit doing the same old thing, just laying there hoping somebody would put him in the pool. I find this rather compelling because Jesus asks, do you want to be made well? What a horrible question, Jesus Of course I want to be made well. It's kind of why I'm here every single day having somebody carry me to the pool longing to see the bubbles ripple up. Jesus retorts, then get up and walk. Guy's like, if I could do that, I wouldn't be here, buddy. Thanks for the advice. I would have done that already. It reminds me of learning how to water ski for the very first time. Took a few nasty falls was drugged behind the boat, took in water like some sort of whale, like threw up all over in the river. My dad, in his infinite wisdom, pulls up the boat beside me and says, just stand up. Thanks, guy. Haven't been trying that the last hour as I'm out here floating around. What great advice you have. <laughs> no, see, the, the difference for this man who's been trying for 13,870 days to stand up. She's never had Jesus tell him to do it. That's the difference. The calling of God will always come with the enabling of God. God will never ask you to do something you can't do with his help. Sure, it might take you a few tries. You might fail once or twice and you have to give it a few shots, but he will always give you the strength to do it. If Jesus tells you to do it, it can be done. Jo- Jesus shows up and he says, stand up. The guy's like, I can't. I've been trying for 38 years to stand up. Jesus says, no, stand up. I can't. I said you could. I might fall. You might. You might succeed. And if you want God to do a new thing, you can't keep doing the same Old thing. Now, notice this is of utmost importance. Jesus didn't just say walk, he says take up your bed and walk. In other words, don't leave your bed in case, leave your bed laying there in case this thing doesn't work out. Now, there's no possibility of you coming back to this pool, there's no possibility of a relapse. Roll up that bed and get to walk in. In the same way, Jesus is telling you right now. You need to make a break with your past. God's Holy Spirit is impressing on you right now that you need to burn the bridges that keep bringing you back to your bad habits. If you've got drugs, you need to get rid of them. If you struggle with alcohol, you need to dump it. If you're addicted to pornography, you need to throw that stuff out. Shut down the cable. It's piping it into your house put some filters on the phone. It's going to hold you accountable. You know, if you got former boyfriends and girlfriends on social media, stop following them. Why are you doing that? Cuz you're hoping someday it'll work out. If you struggle with spending money, freeze the credit cards. Stop taking out high-interest loans. If you struggle with pride, Figure out some people in your life that are going to help keep you humble. I don't know what it is for everybody in this room, but I know all of us have a struggle somewhere, myself included. You're a workaholic? Shut off the phone. Or give your spouse the phone when you get home. And don't allow yourself to look at it on supper time. And figure out a day where you're not working. Stop Being so concerned with your past and start being concerned with your future or distracted by your present. Equally valid. Am I preaching to anybody this morning? Figure out what's keeping you from your best life. It's purported that in the year 1519, Hernan Cortez led a large expedition consisting of 600 Spaniards and 11 boats. They were going to Mexico. The goal was to capture a magnificent treasure said to be held there. Upon arrival, Cortes made history by ordering the men to burn the boats. His message was clear. We either capture this island or we, we die trying. There's no coming back to these boats. A lot of us We're not willing to burn the boats. You'll say, I repent. You'll say, I don't want this life anymore. But you have your mat still laying by the pool. Who are you fooling? You got to make a break with the past. So what Jesus says, in fact, he takes this idea so seriously in another portion of scripture. He says it's better for you to gouge out your eyes or cut off a limb than allow those things cause you to sin. You want to talk about serious? People starting hacking off limbs? There's people in this world, perhaps even in this room, who will say something like, well, I tried Christianity, it just didn't really work for me. Then you didn't try the right kind, because it's impossible to try Christianity and not have it work for you, because Christianity is not a product that some use and some don't. It isn't something that works for some and works for others. Christianity is a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of His Holy Spirit that works for every man and every woman who honestly make a commitment. If it, be, if it, it didn't work for you, is because you didn't try. It wasn't God's fault, I can tell you that. Now, I will believe you if you say, I followed the Lord for a while and decided that I didn't want to live that way anymore. I can totally accept that. But when you say, I tried Jesus and he didn't work, mm, that's not accurate. It's like someone saying, I joined a gym, but it didn't work for me. All you did was join. Like you actually have to show up, and like participate, get in the car and drive there and you type in the login and hop on the treadmill if you want it to do anything for you. And with regards to Christianity... You have to get involved. Do you really want to be made well? You read in your Bible? Because the Bible makes it clear that that's the place God speaks. And people are always saying, well, I need to hear from God. I need to move from God. Open your Bible. He'll open his mouth. King David said that your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Not enough just to read it. You also need to memorize it. Do you make coming to church a priority? Like every single week? Author of Hebrews says we should not forsake meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but we should come together repeatedly to encourage each other. Even more so as we see the day of God drawing near. That's Hebrews. That's not me saying that. I don't need you at church. People say, well, I didn't get anything out of church. It maybe wasn't for you. It was for you to encourage the people around you. It's just the basics. Do you really want to be well? Scripture says we should serve because God first served us. Do you serve? Do you use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given you in order to advance his kingdom? Uh, Scripture says that the church is like a body. Not this church, but like Global Capital C Church. And that everybody is supposed to be participating in their way in order for the church to be healthy. Have you been baptized? The scripture says that we're supposed to be baptized. One of the questions I get asked a lot is uh, Do I have to be baptized in order to be saved? No, I don't believe you have to. But if you are saved, you should be baptized because Jesus commanded us to be baptized and went through with it himself in order to demonstrate it for us. Do you pray? This is just Christianity 101. You should pray. The Bible says uh, pray without ceasing. That this is the will of Christ Jesus in you, that you pray without ceasing. Pastor, what's the will of God for my life? Pray without ceasing. Do you deny yourself some good things because Scripture says we should take up our cross daily and follow Jesus? That we might have to deny ourselves some good things in order to have the best things. How can you say you've tried Christianity if you're not willing to do the basics? I'll share one scripture with you, 1 John 2, 3. By this, we can be sure that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If you hear nothing else, I say, I want to make sure you hear this. You are saved by faith alone, through God's grace alone, because of Christ alone. And that had nothing to do with you or anything you've done, but it had everything to do with Jesus Christ and what he has done. So yes and amen to keeping the rules, but what you need to know is obedience does not necessarily lead to faith. However, faith will always lead to obedience. And so if you're not being obedient, maybe you should ask yourself, do I really have faith? Because you can do a lot of good things and never have your heart changed. That's why Jesus was constantly ridiculing the Pharisees. Because they were so concerned about a religion and keeping the rules that they forgot about having a relationship. First with God and then with other people. Which is why when somebody walks for the first time in 38 years, they say, what are you doing? Instead of celebrating the fact that, what are you doing? You're walking. We saw you here for four decades. What happened? So yes and amen to the basics. But the basics should fire you up, not burn you out. And it has to change your heart. Now let's be super practical because if you want God to do a new thing, you can't keep doing the same old thing. Well, how do we quit doing the same old thing? I'll give you three things. Do something more, do something less, or do something different. You want something new in your life? You want God to perform a miracle in your life? Be obedient. Do something more. Do something less. Or do something different. Which I just gave you half a dozen more things you could do. Pray, read the Bible, come to church, start serving. You know, any of those things would be a great place for more to start, but let me talk about doing something less, because I don't think many of you struggle with knowing what to do. You're just really good at giving yourself excuses on why you're the exception, but uh, in the end you're just robbing yourself. But let me give you something Less, because I think this is just as important. A neuroscientist named Sarah Lazar, who works for Harvard Medical School. So don't know what you know about Harvard, but not typically in the habit of hiring morons. She found an ever-increasing body of evidence that shows if you will do this one simple, tiny, little thing. Like if you'll develop this one tiny, little, tiny habit in your life, it will decrease stress, decrease depression, decrease anxiety, and reduce pain and insomnia. Some of you are not as impressed by that as I am, so I'm going to repeat that whole list for you just in case you missed it. It's going to decrease stress, decrease depression, decrease anxiety, and reduce pain and insomnia. In other words, doing one simple tiny, small little thing can drastically increase the quality of your life. Who wouldn't want that? Plus, developing this one tiny, little, tiny thing. This one simple, little habit. It actually, she found this, not me, she found that your brain, responsible for decision making and memory, actually gets larger which means you're going to make better decisions and remember more stuff. Who wouldn't want that? You see what I'm saying? In addition to all of that information I just gave you, she found a neuroscientist at Harvard Medical School that if you'll do this one simple, tiny, little thing, that typically with age, your brain starts to shrink. And she found that a 50-year-old person who did this simple Tiny, one little thing. The Lazar study showed that these ancient, elderly, senior citizens, venerable people of fifty years old, <laughs> she found that their brain was the same size as somebody twenty-five. That your brain can actually be the same as somebody half your age. You know what the one simple tiny remarkable little thing is? Meditation. Not like um I was here. No 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 no. No no no. no. Like be still and know that I am God. Like reduce the pace of life that you're currently living in, and you have focused thinking, meditation, focused thinking on who God is and the glory of God and the fact that He designed a Sabbath for you in mind. Like, take a nap. Relax sometime. Stop living busy and saying yes to everything and no to nothing. No, no, no. If you'll Simplify your life and meditate on God. The study found for as simple as 15 minutes a day, intentional, focused thinking, 15 minutes a day can drastically change your life. If you slow down, you focus on relaxation, scientifically proven, you will have a better life. And that's remarkable that in God's grace and wisdom, that even people not meditating on God get their life changed because they're slowing... How good is God that He designed the world to work in such a way that even by following His rules and not even know it, He still blesses your life? What in the world? Do something more, do something less, or do something different. Why different? Because verse 14... I told you we'd come back to it. Jesus found the man in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Is Jesus saying that this man was crippled for 38 years because of sin? Is Jesus saying that I might be crippled for 38 years because of sin in my life? Listen, maybe because there's consequences to the decisions that you make. If you get in a car accident because you're drunk, that's not the punishment of God. That's a result of making a stupid decision. And you might be crippled for 38 years of your life. And so hear me very closely. God doesn't punish you for anything. We are not being punished as believers if bad decisions cause stupid things to happen to us. That's in God's grace and mercy that he allowed that. To happen. And what I really want you to hear me say is your sin never affects just you. And that should be alarming if you have a soul at all that you could cause something bad to happen to somebody else because of the bad decisions you've made. Well, that should set you back a little bit. That should cause pause in your life. And if you're out fooling around, you end up with an STD. That ain't God's punishment. That's your dumb decisions. Driving drunk and... Spending more than you make and you having to file for bankruptcy. And, you know, that's just a result of, you know, you're out making faulty sales, lying to people. Don't be surprised if you end up in jail. Lose your job. Again, sometimes the best thing God can do for you is make your stupid decisions, play themselves out, which is not his judgment. It's his mercy. Because he loves you so much, he can't allow you to keep going down that path because it leads to death consequences of sin is death. And God cares so much for you that he's going to allow you to experience some difficult things so it will push you closer to him, not further away. I want you to know that this little encounter is one of the only times Jesus heals someone and does not say your sins are forgiven. Most of the time when you see Jesus says, stand up and walk. He says, your faith's made you well. Your sins are forgiven. Stand up and walk. Doesn't happen here. That's important because it's likely that this man's attitude did not change after his healing. And this story is recorded for us in scripture, not just to demonstrate Jesus's power, but rather to remind us that God's healing has to change your heart. That's what God is after. And so let me do this as we close. Maybe you know what it's like to be paralyzed by some sin or some vice that has a stranglehold on your life. You know what it's like to have tried repeatedly to break free from something, but have never been successful. You know exactly what this man is facing year after year after year. And kind of like this man, you've chosen to play the victim card. Jesus shows up in your life and you say, there's no man to help me. Oh, yes, there is. His name is Jesus. And I've just taken your victim card away. And if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. And Jesus brought you here this morning to hear the fact that God wants to do a new thing in your life, but you can't keep doing the same old thing. Do you really want to be made well? Do something more. Do something less. Do something different. Maybe you need to do all three. Simple. It's not easy. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, thank you for this reminder that you're after our heart. That you long for a relationship with us. And there's something getting in our way. We haven't surrendered our life. We haven't been completely obedient in order to draw closer to You. I believe that God is speaking to you right now. That God is drawing something to your attention. It could be a sin. It could be something you struggle with, but not necessarily. God might be bringing a name to your mind. God might be asking you to forgive that person. God might be asking you to go ask them for forgiveness. But God is moving, and I'm just asking you to not push that away. Just silence your heart a little bit and hear this voice of God. I don't know how you came in this morning, but I know God doesn't want you to leave the same. He wants you taking one step closer to him God we repent of our sin draw us closer to you as you continue to pray as God continues to speak some of you might have come in this morning having no relationship with God you came because you said I'm going to give this one more shot you're not here by accident God wants this relationship with you And I want to give you a chance just to surrender your heart. Say, God, change my life. Make me new. Tired of living my own way. I believe that your way is better. Save my soul. Forgive my sin. Because of Jesus and His death and resurrection. God, we love you. We thank you that you can get our attention, that you love us so much that you don't allow us to keep living the same way, that you give us new life. Help us live to the fullest. Give us joy. Give us peace. And God, I'm praying for miracles and open our eyes to see them and let everybody know that it was you and your power that changed our life. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.